Welcome to another episode of Spoke. This week, I've got Jason Selvig, half of the comedy duo The Good Liars. I'm a huge fan of, of their brand of political satire and just their guerrilla approach to making films. It's the same approach that Michael Moore takes or you know, Larry Charles does with the Borat movies. This stuff is just brilliant, and I'd recommend it for everyone, even if you're not a political junkie. Um, this stuff <laughs> just exposes uh, America and all of its innate absurdity. Jason's co-conspirator is Devram Stifler, uh, who was not a part of this uh, episode, but it will be on the show in the future, I can assure you. Um, but together, they've done two films. Uh, one is uh, set to come out this summer called uh, The Supporters, and the first one came out in 2016 um, called The Undecided, both of which are done in a sort of mockumentary-style uh, filmmaking. The Undecided follows the two as they travel across the country trying to figure out who the best candidate for president in the 2016 election, causing all kinds of awkward mayhem along the way. And The Supporters, which is due to come out this summer, covers the 2020 election in all of its nasty, ugly glory. Thanks to the Treasury Department for the intro and outro music. Please share this podcast with your friends. And remember, every Tuesday there's a new episode to look forward to. Your support means everything, so please follow us, rate us, let us know what you think, and help spread the word. Thank you in advance, and let's get the show started. So Jason, your film's... And your social media posts are astute. They're as funny as hell. And they're all about the, the current sort of political landscape, um, as scary as that is. Um, but they're not as heavy-handed as, say, a Michael Moore uh, film, or if he were to be doing social media posts um, the way you guys do. There's a certain warmth, I think, to your films and, and, and to those posts. Um, we're all in on the joke. We get it, but you don't, I think more, I love Michael Moore, by the way, don't get me wrong, but you know, in his hands, I think it would be handled differently. Do you agree? Totally. No, I don't totally. Um, and yeah, we know, we know Michael too, and we were fans of him for a long time. Um, but we, uh, we've kind of thought of ourselves as like comedians first and then, um, you know, whatever we're doing in the world of politics second, we definitely have an opinion and a point of view and it has evolved over time. Um, but we, and with the movies in particular, um, we, we like being the butt of the joke a lot of the times, obviously we're making fun of these big politicians or these, these people with these very crazy ideas, but uh, our characters are usually um, the dumbest person in the room. <laughs> um, and so the joke, the joke kind of falls on us doing these crazy things. And then you see how the people react to it. Um, so that's, that's kind of the rules. We, we always wanted it to be comedy first. And I think sometimes we failed at that in the last couple of years, you know, things have been so crazy that it's kind of hard to do that. Sure. Um, um, especially the last year with the pandemic and just the world feeling like it was falling apart and yeah. having a reality show host as our president. It was just the combination was just yeah. too, too much, man. <laughs> I said fucking, can I say fucking on this say fucking fuck podcast? Okay. Fucking long. Yeah. <laughs> Thank so, you. That's, yeah. that's freaking great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, do you, 
especially given just the last year in the in the and the folks that you are able to sort of um, tra- track down at some of these rallies. Is it ever hard to stay? I'm sure you're asked this a lot, but is it hard to stay in character? I mean, don't you ever want to just shake them and say, wake the fuck up? <laughs> well, you know, we are, sometimes it does feel like we are shaking them and, and saying, shut the fuck up, because we'll ask a lot of questions like playing devil's advocate here. And wh- what do you think about the people that say this? And their responses, you know, are pretty much they're they're not wavering in their their crazy beliefs. Um, but then a lot of times, like on January sixth when we were in D.C., the last thing we wanted to do is break character and be like, "What what the fuck's the matter with you?" Because we were scared for our lives at at certain points that day. I'm here on January 6th in the biggest gathering of losers in Washington, D.C. in a long, long time. Here's one now. Yes, sir. What would you say to Donald Trump if you were talking to him right now? I'd say you're the greatest president of our lifetime. And I'm 65 and I've seen a lot going on that is so false and fraudulent it sickens me and I will die standing in my boots as a patriot for this country. If this goes wrong, it's not going to be good. Um, but I think actually in, well, while, when the Capitol was being stormed, we, the only video we took of it, you can just hear both of us being like, oh my God, holy shit, what the fuck is happening right now? Like it was right. literally our inner monologue was being said. There was sure. no character at that point. Um, so yeah, it's, it really depends on the situation. Sometimes when we talk to some of the politicians, some of the little lines come out <laughs> <laughs> where we're like, just like, but seriously, dude, but seriously. Right, and, right push the envelope a little bit because you're 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 trying to be annoying to them was there any one particular scary ass situation that sticks out in your in your mind um it's hard to top the capital because on from where where we were on the day we basically were going to leave before the end of trump's speech because we anticipated there was going to be violence and we were like, well, if somebody recognizes us, that can quickly turn into a mob and blah, 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 blah. And as we were heading out of D.C., we saw the people in the mall all walking towards the Capitol. And we were like, that's kind of crazy. Why are they going towards the Capitol? Did Trump tell them to go to the Capitol? And Devram looked up on Twitter and was like, yeah, he told everyone to go go to the Capitol. And we were like, I guess we have to we have to go film and see what happens here. Um, so we, we went there and as, as they were, you know, crowding in the back, which is where we were. And I think, which is where they actually like broke into the Capitol. Um, every, you know, couple seconds, there were flashbangs going off that would like shake your soul. And the whole wow. time, you know, we're seeing cops getting punched in the face and hit with flags in the face and like, all these Capitol police who like in my mind actually were acting heroically at the time because right. they were like, they were getting their ass kicked. Right. I was expecting one of them to pull out a gun and start shooting because like, uh, that's what would have happened <laughs> if it had happened last summer, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. And so every single time we heard a flashbang, we were like, 
our our instinct was that's a gunshot. Like, are we going to get a hit with a straight bullet? Because we were like right there where the where the like quote unquote action was was happening. So it's hard to top that as far as like scary experiences. Um, but we have been uh, we have been held by some the some police officers at certain times. We <laughs> we got we did like the stupidest video ever. Literally, like just such a dumb video, but it was in Trump Tower, and then we ended up like getting held by Secret Service there, and it was just—it was so—they held us for so long, and it was so dumb. And we we explained ourselves, and then of course, if like you're the Secret Service, it's still like yeah. we were wearing costumes. They're not—they don't give a fuck. They're gonna right. be like, oh yeah, H- hilarious guys. Yeah, yeah, we're we're not gonna let you go because we're the Secret Service. What kind of uh, questions were they asking you? Um, well, we were so we went we went there. I mean, this was a couple of years ago now, but but Trump was president. So we went there and the whole bit was we were like these construction workers who were like finding out that Trump Tower is a shithole. And like we were like going around looking at all the like legitimately shitty stuff that is in Trump Tower, which oh, is like tons it, of it. Tons of it. It's not just tacky. It's like there's like water stains. It's like the, the tackiest, <laughs> most disgusting building. Yeah. Um, and so we were raiding all the things. And then next thing we knew, we were like swarmed by all these cops and Secret Service agents. And they took us and they held us. And it was, it sucked. It's not, it's not a fun experience because you're like, I didn't do anything illegal. I hope I didn't do anything illegal. But they were like, you're wearing a costume. You're wearing a disguise. And I'm like, no, we're just, it's, Come on, man. No, <laughs> but it. Uh, so from their point of view, you could understand where, where they were thinking. The crazy thing to me was, again, like before, it's a reality show host president that it's just insane that this guy was even president. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's like, sure. could we all just at least laugh at that, please? <laughs> uh, I did not see it that ser- way. <laughs> yeah. I doubt the Secret Service laugh at much of anything. Um, no, no. Yeah. Um, so that wasn't fun. I can imagine. Uh, and we've only been arrested, actually arrested once, and that's when we, when we tried to cancel SantaCon in New York City in 2016. Are you familiar with SantaCon? I'm not. No, uh, enlighten me, please. Well, you're going to be dumber having heard this. <laughs> um, so SantaCon is quite literally the worst day of the year. It is a day, a day where... People come from New Jersey and Long Island in Santa costumes and get wasted throughout the city. I know about this. And they are, you know, puking on the trains <laughs> and like little kids are seeing Santa like finger an elf in on the side of the road at like 2 p.m. You know, it really is the worst, the worst day of the year. So, so it's like bad Santa, like just everywhere yes, throughout the city. Yes, okay. exactly. But it's just like, so, so we had put up signs that said SantaCon canceled all over the city. And then when the when, when SantaCon happened, we brought a bullhorn and we were like, SantaCon is canceled. Everyone go back to New Jersey Transit, Long Island Railroad, get out of the city. And we got pulled off by the cops and we were like, oh, they're letting, they're leading us away from here. And then we felt our hands go behind our back. And we're like, this is, this is why we're getting, we're getting arrested for this right now of all the things. Um, what was, what were the charges? I mean, what, 
disturbing the peace or something? I I don't know what we actually were. It was like we, there was no criminal charge. Right. And it ended up being something really dumb, like using amplified noise or something. (laughs) It was a $25 ticket, but like it was not fun to be in jail. And I was so sick at the time. Oh, were you? You were doing the cops a favor. You we know? tried to explain right. it. And believe it or not, the NYPD did not did think not. it was funny. No, they didn't did not. see it that way. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, just real quick. I want to go back to the, to the Capitol. Um, was there, uh, was there a particular person or persons that really uh, stuck out? Like you'll never forget them. To DeVram's credit, DeVram had was, he, you know, ever since Trump didn't accept the results of the election after that Saturday when it was called the 8th or the 7th or whatever that was, and he was like, this is going to end really badly. And I was like, well, who knows? Maybe there's, you know, you always with Trump, you were like, who knows? Maybe he's not going to do the worst possible thing, but he always ended up doing it. Right. And so he, he kind of saw the violence coming and, and, and I was worried about it too, but the night before we went to whatever it was, Freedom Plaza or wherever, and Alex Jones and all these, like Roger Stone, oh, and I think Michael Flynn as well, mm-hmm. were all speaking there. And Alex Jones was giving this speech and like, he sounded like Hitler. He right. literally sounded, and he looked like Hitler. Yeah. Giving yeah, this charging mean- speech. Yeah. And everyone was going, and this was like probably a crowd of a thousand people. You know, it wasn't like these were the, these were the diehard of the diehard, Mm -hmm. the the crazies. And, you know, he was saying stuff like we're tomorrow's war, tomorrow's this. And like, these are, these are, you know, inciting words to these people. And no one there was like, um, not taking it seriously. Um, so that moment we were like, something bad's going to happen. And then probably, you know, I said the scariest part was the, was being outside the Capitol, but now that I'm having like PTSD from being there, (laughs) but the scariest part maybe was being in the hotel that night. We were at this like hipster hotel with the only place we could find. And it was all Trump supporters. You know, it was the only time this hotel would be filled with, with the, with like, Trump support right supporter people. They would this would not be their first choice, I'm thinking. So it's like Trump supporters at like the Ace Hotel or something. Uh, but it, pretty much. I can't yeah. remember what it was called. Yeah. But it, it was, yeah. It, so and they were, were all like over the place. Screaming. Oh my You're like, yeah, baby, let's go, baby. <laughs> and like playing like pump up music through the walls, like in, in the middle of the night. And that was like a terrifying experience because we were like, we are like the only quote unquote enemy <laughs> in the, like they literally think we are their enemy and we are, we are here in, the, in, in staying in the same hotel as them. Um, but the day, the day of the, um, the insurrection, we did see somebody, somebody had gotten hit in the face with a, with a rubber bullet or something and they were gushing blood. Whoa. And like, that's an image I'll never forget. They like sure. walk, walk by, and we were like, we got to, we got to get out of here. And as we were walking by, we saw like an FBI agent 
and a military guy like on the top of the hill by the Capitol, like crying, <laughs> like they've lost wow. control of the situation. Sure. Yeah. Um, and those are those are like those are two of the images that like I'll that will never leave my my brain from from that day. Being like, okay, this is utter chaos. Society can break down very very easily, um, and we were w- watching it happen then in real time. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's it's it's terrifying. And uh, getting back to what you said, when Alex fucking Jones is using words like war. Um, you're absolutely right. There are those are inciting words, and 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 those are the words that those people understand. You know, it's like I think George Carlin said one time, um, "Why do we always have to declare war on everything for it to be for people to get behind it?" In other right. words, you know, we have to declare war on drugs. We've got to declare war on war, Christmas. A war on Christmas. <laughs> yeah, like you what? Know? Yeah. And so for those for those people. Um, you know, a word like that is like, oh, call to arms. I'm sure I'll, you know, I'm ready to go. It is, you know, it is terrifying, but it's also like the people we talk to, if I was consuming the news that they were, maybe I would feel the same way. And they say like there, somebody has been talking about this recently that it's like, it, it all depends on where you were born. Like, you'd like to think that like, you'd have like, I'm a good person. I would believe this and that, and I know sure. the right and the wrong of, of all this, but I don't know if I was born someplace with some parents and I went to this school and I was given this information, maybe I would, maybe I would be there that day too. I'd like to think that I wouldn't, you but these people like, are... <laughs> no, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I, I don't even know what I was going to, no, I was going to say, gonna you, you might be like your character in your first movie. You might, uh, <laughs> I kind of wish that I, you know, like that's what I like about playing those characters is like they're blank slates, you know, like the last idea they hear is the best idea. And like, I kind of, I kind of, I wish I could do that. You know, like, I feel like there are certain times where I could be like, I'm completely open-minded now. Right. Right. Then I get back on Twitter and I'm like, ah, no, I'm angry about this. Yeah. Okay. So both films you've done, um, you have a new one coming out called the supporters um, first one was the undecided, um, and both of them are sort of this, they're done in this, it, well, they're mockumentaries and they're done in this guerrilla style, sort of like Larry Charles or something like it would, something that he would do. Um, but you're under a lot of pressure to get those shots. Um, I mean, you, you figure I'm, th- I'm watching it and I'm thinking they only had one opportunity, one shot at this thing. And so was there uh, a, that's a lot of pressure and B was there ever a time where uh, you had something planned and then something went sideways and you couldn't do it? Um, yes, that has definitely happened before. Um, but you know, a lot of the credit we, we have to give to our camera crew, you know, the, the whole crew from this movie basically was, was, was six people all told really um yeah uh we had a jonah oscow who was our editor like pulled long nights and um you know hopefully it's coming out later this summer um and it's all gonna be worth it but he he killed it putting it together and then we had uh peter barr who was shot with us for a very long time he 
he was there with us in Iowa and then in Pennsylvania. And then our friend Peter Richardson was, was there for the, for the summer shoots that we did. And it's a lot of stress for them too, because, sure. you know, we're going in there quote unquote undercover, but so are they. And, you know, they have to get the shots and, uh, there's a lot, there's not, the communication can be tough because we're all in separate places for, sure. for stuff. So, and they've, um, and they've got expensive camera equipment. And if one of those, you know, Trump freaks decides to go after them, you know, it's, right. It's a, it's of, a scary, yeah. a lot of stress. <laughs> yeah, it, it can be, it, it can be, it can be very stressful. It can also be fun sure. uh, depending on where we are. And, um, but a lot of this, the stuff we shot, like in Iowa, we shot, I think we shot like five of those pranks in one day because, then the next time we went, uh, people recognized us <laughs> because it was the same press there. You know, it's the same. There's only so many candidates and like we and we and we got recognized. So uh, it was a very long day that we 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 put in, in one of the days uh, to get a lot of that stuff. So a lot of the credit goes to the crew for being great, great sports about it and for, you know, getting the shots. Um it was more difficult. I think at the last Trump rally, it was just a, like, it was, it was a, it was, that was a very stressful one because um, I, I guess I, I'm not going to, it's like the end of the movie. So I won't say what happens in it. Uh, but we, we, it, we shot that like in the height of COVID um, before the election. And it was like our first time being around like a giant crowd of people. And of course no one's wearing a mask. Right. Of course. There. And um and so we, you know, we were trying to be safe and we, you know, didn't want to get sick and then get, you know, people we love sick and, and, and all this stuff on top of like trying to get a shot with like police and secret service and sure, the president sure. of the United States. <laughs> you know? uh, so there's a lot of stuff you can't control in those situations. And you got to, you got to, got to accept that to a certain extent and then be smart and safe and make sure everyone around you is safe. Um, have to be your first priority. Yeah, there's probably a fair amount of freedom in that if you if you if you if you can step back and go, look, there's only so much I can control, and the rest is just going to happen. And as opposed to a scripted thing where you're, you know, yeah, that, I would love to say that that's true, and that you <laughs> that I'm like swimming in Zen before I. <laughs> but no, it's, it's not. It is a very nerve wracking thing to do. Always, always, always. Well, you pull it off. You see, you guys both seem um, so confident and just calm in the in this middle of the storm. It's like I don't know how you pull it off. Sometimes I watch it and I don't, I don't either. Like you asked me to, if you put me right now in that situation, I don't know what I would do. I'd probably be okay. But I, 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 I don't know. Like you say, there is a certain mindset that you have to be in. Yeah. There's a certain element of it that like, that we do have, we have fun doing it. Obviously we keep doing it, you know, like, yeah, no, that's but, clear. Yeah. But, uh, it is, it's, it's it, it, somebody thinking, what are you doing? That's insane you're right <laughs> and we've had the same thoughts on several occasions too so sure sure um but i think that's what adds to the i mean the overall results you know if right. they come through the right way yeah that's what that was kind of the goal of the the movies is we were like oh we want to do we want this to be like a, a like a prank narrative that is like entirely gorilla 
Yeah. Um, where, you know, like Sasha Baron Cohen, who obviously is a huge influence for us and like, right. um, that a lot of it, like he's, he controls some of the situations that he puts him. He also goes into fucking crazier situations with like yeah. much more dangerous people than we've been around. Um, but we were like, uh, we wanted to, sh to film a movie where it's like, we're, we are in something every single time we have, ne we're never controlling any situation. So like, how can we manipulate that situation where we're creating a narrative out of never really controlling anything besides like the story elements that are like right. the connective tissue of the film. Right. So do you and Devram uh, both write this sort of, how do you do it? Is it sort of a skeletal outline? You know what you want, you know, the basic narrative, but, and then the rest just kind of, well, together. we would would never be able to like teach a screenwriting class on this <laughs> because we still I, I still don't think we've effectively done it. We haven't done it right. Um, and this year, you know, we had a I think we had a really awesome script for a feature that we wrote in like January. We'd finished it in January and we started shooting in, in at the end of January in in Iowa. Um and then COVID happened and it was like, oh, no, we can't do this because so much of it depended on, um, you know, doing events and events happening because that's, you know, if you're shooting a whole movie that is in the real world, there has to be, there has to be people in the real world. <laughs> and sure. in the middle of the pandemic, there was no one was anywhere right. until there was like a May. Of people. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> um, so maybe we could. But but then we kind of had to like change the things we'd shot to like make a new story that we and we like lost a lot of our infrastructure that we thought we were going to have for the film and did it all kind of DIY. Um, so it was it was an interesting experience. But with Undecided, we did we kind of wrote almost every single one of the pranks, with the exception of like three. I know these are DIY films, but what kind of budget are you working with for a film like like this? I'm... Uh, not a lot. Okay, not a lot. We did yeah. it. We did it all. We did it ourselves. Did you? Okay, we literally did Your it own ourselves. Funds. We did it ourselves. Yeah, yeah. So it was like, and you know, we had a lot of people like, you know, we're the the crew like we're working long hours for very little pay and they were the real heroes about, I mean, we couldn't have done it without them. Sure. So they, uh, Pete and Peter, um, put in a lot of time and we love them for it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, luckily they're, they're good friends of ours. So it was, it was, you know, I think it was, it, it was a, a trying experience to go into these stressful situations sure. in the middle of the pandemic. And we, yeah. we owe them a lot for, for putting themselves in those situations. Uh, so, um, Devram, plays kind of a similar role in both the supporters and the uh, undecided. Um, not completely, but there's one particular thing that they both share in common. Um, you know, he, he describes himself as an incel in the supporters. And then in the uh, undecided, he's a, a late twenties virgin, I think. Yeah, he is. So, uh, and that was funny because, yeah. But anyway, you ask, ask your question. There, there, there was a reason for that, but yes. Yeah, I'm curious what, and I love the, the 
I love the interplay between him and the um, female producer in the undecided. I mean, that was Jenna so, Friedman. Yeah, she's it, so funny. She's she was, Oscar she was nominee. Great. Jenna Friedman. We should Is she say. really? What was she nominated for? Nominated. She was a writer on Borat. Oh, that's right. I knew that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, she's she's very very she funny. Was, very she very was funny. Great in that film, and and just the way they worked off of each other, and his just like sad puppy eyes. They were just like it's just just. I loved it. Um, anyway, so is there is there a reason? Is that a, a role he feels comfortable in? Is it a real a role that he relates? Well, to? it was actually kind of a big. I mean, this was kind of a big step for Debrom because he is an incel and he's he hasn't like he doesn't talk about it. All. I'm just kidding. This is that's <laughs> just so me. No, he's not. He's not an incel. He, <laughs> This is the this is what happens I when we don't so do a podcast. Like together. Three seconds. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's 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 not in itself. Um, uh, you know, I we were just like, oh, there's so much funny stuff um, that is there with like the guy who like lives online and is a like gets out all of his frustration that way. Um, which, you know, there's a lot of people like that in the world. And I think in the, you know, that they it could come out in very terrible ways, obviously. Sure. Um, and part of it was, we were like, when the, the idea for the supporters, I think came from that we, we'd done some like anti-Trump stuff and something, I can't remember exactly what it was, but we, we did, we got like a lot of death threats at one point and we were like, who the hell are these people? Yeah. And then we were like, oh, it'd be funny to do a movie as Trump supporters, like the people who are, mm-hmm. <laughs> who would be the people that would send these threats. And then that's kind of where the character came from. And then the the incel thing on top of it, because like, for some reason, Donald Trump attracts a lot of incels. <laughs> they like, that's, they picture him as like the ideal man, which is sure. the funniest fucking thing in the world. Yeah. Um, so, so that, that's where we were like, oh yeah, it's kind it's kind of similar to the last one, but. So who are some of the, the political humorists or, or comedians that's, uh, that have influenced you and kind of inspired you to, to, to do this brand of comedy? Well, it's interesting because like, um, obviously we were huge fans of Sasha Baron Cohen and I loved the Ali G show and Borat and um but like my favorite comedians growing up were everyone in the state do you remember the state on mtv like sure. david wayne michael showalter and stella yep. and um and like i originally just wanted to do sketch comedy and i did for a really long time and the comedy in the real world was kind of just like something we kind of fell into i always had done man on the street things before. And I was like, Oh, this is fun, whatever. But I never like thought of it as something I would like. It was just like the other thing to do besides like comedy, uh, like sketch comedy and all that stuff. So, but you know, and, and also, you know, Michael Moore and we, we got to work with Michael a, a couple of years ago and he, you know, the old TV nation stuff like was, was stuff that I would always, I would, there was a couple of them that I would always think about. And I like watched them when they were on TV, like on NBC and on Fox, like way back when. And I always liked those like more than the movies a little bit because they were these like short things that were yep. to the point. And he like really went for it, like 
with the ridiculousness of the stuff that he was like the real world pranks and they were pranks, you know, like they were he was more of a prankster at that point, I guess. Um, um, yeah. I'm with you on the, on the, the shows versus the films. I love his films, but these were like short, like just bursts of fucking brilliant comedy. And I, um, I think I'm remembering this, right. The one um, that I recall that really cracked me up was um, didn't he drop or deposit like, hundreds of condoms on jesse helms front lawn <laughs> that sounds right i'm pretty uh, sure i will double check that but that was that that one really i love that one he had a whole one that was like i think this was actually for the awful truth which was a, his second show yeah which like i met it was funny because i i met michael at a bar totally randomly in 2017 and just went up to him and was like hey uh, this is my, you, but you have to look at our stuff. Please look at our stuff. Uh, we, we should definitely talk. <laughs> and like, uh, and then ended up talking, then ended up talking with them and like working on the show within like three months. It was, it was a, a kind of an insane way to meet somebody. Sure. Um, but then I went back and watched all the awful truth cause I'd never seen that. It was on Bravo or something. Mm -hmm. I think it might've been BBC as well. And and those were brilliant too. Like the first season of that, there's a lot of a lot of cool stuff in there as Absolutely. well. So you got this film that's in post right now. Um, who are your? Do you have any new targets that you're going after? I mean, there's so <laughs> many to choose from. I mean, it's a crazy time. It really yeah. is a crazy time. You know, it's it's like it's insane. You know, like the obvious one that like Democrats our love going after now is Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, the, the new villain, I guess, which is insane because like she is, you know, she's a conspiracy theorist, like a straight up conspiracy theorist, like all of like QAnon, 9-11 truth, like all, all the big ones she, you know, has believed in. And she's just a troll. She's a shameless troll. And it's, it's really sad that these are the people that are succeeding in in the Republican party right now. So like part, part of you, you know, doesn't want to like give her more oxygen, but right. It's like, she's getting millions of followers and making millions of dollars. I think she made like three to $3.5 million um, in fundraising, which is insane. That's the like, but I guess like it right now, the best thing to have if you're a Republican is, to be able to make Democrats angry. <laughs> she does because she's so crazy. She's so, so damn good at it. I think, um, you know, I think with the Republican, the current state of, of that wing of the Republican party is a cult. And it's a, and the thing about it is it's a cult with members with deep pockets. Yeah. Know? But so, is, I don't know that there is another wing of the Republican party. I mean, they're voting against the, January 6th. Uh... I was trying to be nice, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, you know, I mean, there are some that are slightly less conservative than, than others, but, right. but, but certainly the ones that are making the most noise are, are the ones, you know, like uh, Taylor green and, you know, Matt, uh, I mean, the list goes on, but. Right. Um, and they're also like, they're, they're the lightning rods that like get, the Democrats upset and also like rally like the, the far right yeah. uh, group. So it's like, they need them really because Trump was that, was that guy for so long. They need That's other right. people to do that. So Taylor green, um, 
and, and Maquettes are both from the South. And you said that you grew up in the South, right? You grew up in... Um... Yeah, I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky. Or, uh, you know, I went to kindergarten. I mean, I was born and then I left in ninth grade uh, or 10th grade, I guess, technically down to, to live in West Palm Beach, Florida. Um, so I'm familiar with the South for sure. <laughs> and you know what? I do like, part of me like loves the South. I really sure. did. Like, um, and so it's, it is sad to see, you know, especially Florida has gone from like oh. a coin flip to just like, it's a Trump state. And yeah. even in uh, Palm Beach County, which is where I uh, lived, you know, you could, you just, you you see so many Trump flags, you see all these Confederate flags and stuff. And you're like, this certainly there were no Confederate flags in Palm Beach County where I was, you know, back, you know, 15 years ago, but right. But now like Trump has kind of emboldened all these people to maybe they're racist all along. <laughs> but <laughs> Now they feel a lot more safe uh, waving their flags. So, well, Florida is just a really unique state. I mean, that's why that we've got Florida man. That's why we've got Matt. Ga I mean, you know, I, it's a fuck. I I can't really understand. It's a fucking weird. It's like where people go to like, and no offense, Florida is a beautiful state, but yeah, watch um, it, watch it, watch it. Okay, <laughs> but it it is kind of a place where people go, you know, to just kind of disappear and. Um, it's it's got a LA right? there's like an LA vibe to it where yeah. it's like people like some people will go out to LA with like big dreams or something like that and then and like all of a sudden they're there for 30 years and like their skin has turned orange and <laughs> you know like sundry exactly and yeah. they're just living in the same place in the valley that they've been for 30 years you know it and Florida has kind of the same thing it's like I've got an idea I'm gonna go down to Florida because there's like the beaches there and it's warm and then next thing you know they're just like they're just there <laughs> but right. they they it wasn't nothing was bringing them there it wasn't like a job was bringing them there it was right, like sure a dream but a very vague dream you know yeah this sort of romantic idea of sun and beaches and right so did i hear that you uh you were into like punk rock and stuff uh, oh yeah <laughs> i am I am still, but I'm still into the, the, the punk rock that I was in at those days. I have not evolved uh, <laughs> at all. Um, I, yeah, I grew up. So I, I like went to my, my early high school years. I was in Louisville. And even at that time, some of the music I was listening to was, were bands that didn't even exist then. Um, but I was super into um, Falling Forward, which is an old hardcore band or I guess technically I don't know what they'd even be called hardcore now by today's standards but they were and they, they went on to become the singer and the guitarist went on to form Elliot which was a, on Revelation Records in like the early late the late 90s early 2000s yep um and then like By the Grace of God and Guilt who were on um Victory Records yep um so that was like my first um taste of like the hardcore scene there yeah. um and then when i went to florida i was actually in high school um and still is one of my best friends in the world uh with the, one of the guitarists from poison the well um which was a like a i guess a metalcore band um 
And he went on to form Sleigh Bells, Derek Miller. The, oh. <clears throat> right. And so I was in the scene down there, which was interesting because it was like we would go to shows in Miami and I would tell my mom, I would be like, I don't drink for one. Like I, I drink now, but I didn't drink at the time. And I was like, I'm just going to these shows. And had she known that I was like going to a dive bar in Miami <laughs> <laughs> where they were like, the pits were basically like people doing karate and right. beating the shit out of each other. <laughs> exactly what it was. Um, <laughs> she probably would not have let me right. do that. But but this, the scene down there was awesome. It was like Shai Halud and like... Um, and Poison the Well and uh, some other of the uh, Revelation bands that were down the morning again. And like the the opening band for all of the shows was always Newfound Glory. Oh, that's a great Because band. they were, because Chad was in the hardcore scene. So they would always play the hardcore shows. And this was before they were like anything. Right. Um, so I'm seriously dating myself at this point. Um, so that was like my my like into the hardcore, the the punk scene down there. Um, and it was awesome. <laughs> I miss it. I, I might even go out to Vegas this year. Um, because boys, uh, no, um, oh. psycho fest, I oh, think psycho is what fest. it is. Okay. Cause, um, um, poison the well is playing and my, uh, Derek's not in anymore, but my friend, my good friend, Brad grace is the bassist there. And, and I'm friends with Ryan and, and Jeffrey and Chris, just from knowing them for 20 odd years. Um, but they're, they're playing and like Boy Sets Fire, who was like my favorite band when I was in ninth grade, literally is playing. <laughs> I'm like, they're playing? Holy shit. I knew every word to their first two records. So I'll I'll definitely go and be in the pit for that if if everything works out. Right. Yeah, I was wondering, were you one of those guys doing backflips? Or I'll were you, you no, like, I, like standing with your like your arms folded in the back? Well, sometimes it's like you do like you'd have to like do this because oh, you see sure. other people. I'll be like, you yeah. got to protect your face. But even yeah. I was just mimicking. I didn't have like any training. I was just mimicking my little like uh, karate pose. But like, um, no, I, I'll tell you what. I was the guy who probably was a little annoying. <laughs> I I was just there and I would grab the mic and just scream into the mic. And oh, I, yeah. I was there in the front row singing along with the, the two fingers and the thumb up. That yeah, was my yeah. move for, for singing along. And I had braces at the time. So like the mic, we could shoved in my face and every, <laughs> every show I had like a bloody lip at the end of it. It was just like inevitable that it was going to happen. But, yeah. but I was, I was screaming along. That was my thing. And, and I would be the, the best fan <laughs> of your right. band. Cause I would go and like, you, you got to have the lyrics in the CD case. Cause I'm going to, I'll learn the lyrics. Oh, and yeah. I will be there in the, in the, in the front row screaming along. Yeah. I was the same way. And I, I, I went to a lot of shows when I was really young and, you know, pre puberty. And so I always kind of got nervous when someone would hand me the mic. Cause I'd be like, yeah, uh, <laughs> I'll sing along to it. You know, my, I bet you had an awesome scream, to be honest. If you, well, you could have hit that upper registry, like, it was very that. high pitched. Yeah, <laughs> I think when you go to those shows and you experience that kind of energy and that kind of, uh, and as you mentioned earlier, when you're making a film, you know, there's a DIY aspect to all of that. That totally. you know, I don't know about you, but I've certainly taken that approach into 
whatever project I've ever done, you know, whether it's a, a you know, magazine or a film or a, a book, whatever, you know, if I didn't have that experience of doing those things and being encouraged to do those things DIY, that I'd have the confidence to take on something new later in life, like, like I've done. So, um, you know, I, 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 you know, I don't want to get all, uh, you know, email, I'm going to start crying any second. But, but, <laughs> just, just scream, dude. Just scream. Just, <laughs> um, um, but the, no, I, 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 it, it definitely like gave me, gave me an appreciation, especially like seeing, you know, having friends in some bands that reach like certain levels of success along the way. Like yeah. what, what, what happiness is in a weird way, not to get like too no, no, I'm softball with you. about everything yeah. where it's like, some of my favorite shows was like like a, a show that I saw when I was 14 in a gay bar before hours, like a hardcore show that mm-hmm. like uh, Sparks Gentleman's Club was what it was called or something. Uh, and that stuck with me where I was like, th- things can have meaning no matter the size of them. And sometimes when things get bigger, you lose there. You it loses meaning and it loses the actual like stuff that matters to the most amount of people. If that makes sense, there's more people there, but like you're not going to have that one exactly. once in a lifetime experience. You know, this is everyone says this about when they discover punk rock, but it's that lack of of uh, division between audience and band. And um, as you said, when a band gets bigger that suddenly that starts to increase um, a bit. And so you don't, you no longer feel like you're a participant, if that's the right word, you know. No, no, yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. And like, I went uh, with a buddy of mine who used to play in a band as well. Um, We went and saw Newfound Glory at like, in Times Square at like the theater, the Nokia theater, whatever it is now. like three years ago, maybe 2018, maybe. And I was like blown away by how they've been doing it for like 25 years and they were just so awesome <laughs> to their fans. And like to everyone, they were like, they like said it on the mic. We're like, we know some people here probably haven't seen us in 15 years, but like, even if you like, you know, one song or, you know, 20 songs, like we want everyone to have a good time and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, it was it kind of felt like one of those old shows <laughs> where I was like, these guys are actually like trying to make that effort to like, exactly. Exactly. you know, I don't know what it was and I'm aging myself, but something in the eighties where your parents just didn't really give a fuck like where you were. So I just would go, you know, it'd be kind of like, well, just be home for dinner and right. you know, no questions asked where you are, you know, <laughs> and I would just go, I'm going out to a show and you know, my mom would be like, all right, be home by two. <laughs> that was it and um so i i was like a re- on a really long leash like she just let me kind of do uh, i just would get in the shower and be like smell like cigarettes like right. i probably oh, that was the, best. the equivalent of like a pack of cigarettes just from being in these clubs oh. you know what i mean well, like i was like i'll never smoke are you kidding me like, but i was basically smoking <laughs> by being there yeah you know? no i never i've never smoked in my life but I tell you, there's something about the smell of, um, well, there's a couple great smells that came from punk rock shows for me. Um, clove cigarettes. 
I yeah, know. definitely. Right? Definitely, yeah. The smell of leather from the leather yeah. jackets. Yeah. The, the smell of like spilt beer and cigarettes. Those and like other people's sweat on other your pe- yes. on your shirt at the and end B. of the show. Yeah. 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 Those five together are like I if someone could bottle those, I would it would be I'd be spraying. <laughs> Drowning myself in them, <laughs> and your marriage would be over, right? <laughs> no, no friends, no life. But you know, but yeah. So, last question. So, you've you've seen a lot, obviously. Um, you know, you you're right there in the thick of it. Um, what do you think you've learned most about Americans through all of your travels, all of your misadventures? Um, what do you think you've learned most about the American people? Um, that's a great question. One thing I think I have learned from going to some of these places is I, I don't have a lot of, I, it's like the old saying, like I, I could probably have a beer with a lot of people and be okay. (laughs) Even the people I really disagree with. And I, it seems weird to say this from somebody who like posts things who is, is like, Per, you know, we are purposely pointing out the differences in all of us with our posts. But sometimes when I leave these places, not true on the sixth, but sometimes when I leave these places, I'm like, that guy we interviewed who was saying that crazy stuff. I kind of liked him. <laughs> like, I, I didn't, I didn't hate the person. Like, I didn't hate their soul. And th- there are a lot of disagreements and d- that we have between each other here. And I think Donald Trump kind of really brought out the worst in, in everyone, not just his supporters, but in people on the other side sure. who felt they needed to now act more defensive and totally rightfully so, I think, but had to act more defensive on a wide range of issues because this guy is such like a steaming pile of shit right. that he is going to make people on the other side more angry and want to attack these things in 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 a lot of different ways. But I think we I think we 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 do have some com- a lot more common ground than we're willing to give as far as just being <laughs> like people that grew up in the same country, you know, in the it, with the same McDonald's and the same bullshit, like whatever it is that makes us fucking American. Like we are we are more similar than we are different. The major takeaway is that like sometimes, you know, I, I like that woman. I like that guy. And I I, I don't hate, I, I, I'm not always left with hate <laughs> after I leave there. You know, there's, there is actually some like love that comes out of these crazy things. Well, uh, thanks again, Jason. This was, this was really great. I appreciate your time. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks again for listening, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the show. Follow The Good Liars online at thegoodliars.com. And on Twitter, their handles are at Jason Selvig, at The Good Liars, Devram Devram, and on Instagram at TGLNYC. See you next week.